Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ohioan Podcast Network. Craig Schaub here with George Thomas from the Akron Beacon Journal, which means we are talking pop culture. George, how are you doing today? Uh, I'll survive. That's, <laughs> I mean, we had a, a, a marathon conversation last night. So, you know. Yes, yes. For those of you who don't know, we recorded with George. We talked about low cast, among other things. Uh, today we're going to talk strictly about movies and streaming and all the good things that come with pop culture. Some new movies coming out this week. The Card Counter, the new Paul Schrader movie. Uh, he directs um, Oscar Isaac, who, you know, one of those actors that you just kind of fall in love with every time you see on the screen. He's so much fun every time out. George, what did you think of uh, Paul Schrader's latest effort? Paul Schrader. Oh, man. You know what? This is an old school, old, old school director, and he made an old school film. This is a film; it's not a movie. And I think you you know what I mean, right? Um, he has a story to tell. He tells it well. He knows how to operate behind the camera. It's gritty. It has a message, and it concerns a um, and I, it concerns a, a a former veteran who who worked at Abu Ghraib. And his work at Abu Ghraib got him a 10-year sentence in Leavenworth okay. after all the, the, the crap rolled downhill on that one. Because, you know, nobody of any import went to prison for Abu Ghraib. Right. The, 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 the grunts went to prison for Abu Ghraib. Right. At any rate, Oscar Isaac plays this guy, taught himself to, to count cards while in prison, because I'm sure there was, there were plenty of other things to do, right? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's out. He lives a happily lonely existence, going from casino to casino, counting cards, and making for him a good living. I mean, he's he's doesn't own property, he owns a car, and playing cards. Um, he ends up in Atlantic City. Um, at the same point as one of his former commanding officers, played by Willem Dafoe. For the record, Willem Dafoe can do no wrong. We all love Willem Dafoe as an actor. Isn't he just great? You just love Willem Dafoe. <laughs> Willem Dafoe is an acting god. Don't he forget is. that. <laughs> at, at any rate, his his former supervisor is there giving a lecture on something related to facial recognition tech, blah, 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 blah. He takes in that that lecture, 
and he's tapped on the shoulder by a, a young man sitting next to him. And that young man turns out to be the son of someone he worked with at Abu Ghraib. And the son recognizes him. And they have a drink. And this son, <laughs> this kid, his 20-something-year-old, tells uh, William Tell, Oscar Isaac's character, about his plan to kidnap the, the former supervisor, torture him, and kill him. Mm. Because essentially working in Abu Ghraib ruined his family's life. His father turned into an alcoholic, beat him, beat his mother. His mother ran away. Now this kid is looking to exact some revenge. Sure. Instead of buying into the plan, William Tell decides, I'm going to save this kid. It invites him to come on the road with him teach and teaches him how to gamble, blah, 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 how to make money in casinos. And, you know, there's this period of bonding. And he comes to this grand plan after re receiving an, uh, an invitation to play cards professionally by a recruiter played by Tiffany Haddish to make as much money as possible so he can pay off his debts and start a new life. Pay off not just his debts, but, but his mother's debts. So in one level, he's, he's looking for redemption for himself. But he's also assuaging his guilt. Right. Because he was pretty much can't call him a superior officer to the kid's father, but they shared time there together. And there's some guilt at, at seeing what's happened to this kid's life because of that entire situation. Right. Wonderfully acted, great story, unfolds like a, a, a slow peeling onion and doesn't contain a lousy performance at all. And, you, and like I said, Paul Schrader is an old school filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to mention a title that no one's ever heard of or no one remembers because you're all young. <laughs> Blue Collar with Richard Pryor, Harvey Keitel, and Yafet Kato is an absolute classic. And he, 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 his films generally come from a common man's perspective. That's the best way to put it. And this, while not necessarily on a level of a blue collar, is still up there. It's refreshing to see a movie like this heading into theaters at this point. Because it's complex, it's dense, right. it's intelligent. And it doesn't well, take an audience for granted. Yeah. Well, and I think last week we kind of talked about over the last few weeks, we've talked about the the end of summer malaise that you get in the film world. Last week we have Shang-Chi come out strong and then now getting out of post-Labor Day weekend where there's no reason to, to really promote good film. Here we have something like this where, you know, maybe it's not quite that summer blockbuster, even though Oscar Isaac and Tiffany Haddish are certainly known commodities in the film world, but it's definitely a little bit darker storytelling. So you're not necessarily going to get a summer release out of it, but this might not be a bad time to release it where maybe you're not quite positioning it for an Oscar run, but maybe you kind of do if people respond to it and, you know, 
as you're saying, you know, obviously it's a gr great performances throughout, you know, Schrader has that pedigree. Obviously if people don't know who Schrader is, um, he's probably mo mostly known for his writing. He wrote screenplays for Raging Bull, Taxi Driver, more recently writer director of uh, First Reform. So a lot of people may not really know him on the fringes of the film world, but if you know film, you've heard the name, even if you haven't seen a lot of his movies. And, and it's good to hear that, um, you know, he's got this, uh, this sort of gritty old school kind of film, as you said, as opposed to a movie or whatever you want to, you know, call it these days. But uh, it's good to see him back in action, too. You know, I'm, sh I'm, I'm honestly shocked that this wasn't held back until October when it's likely to would have been more likely to receive more attention right for for the end of the end of year awards race i i think they did this movie a disservice right by releasing it in september because right now you have toronto going on if i'm not mistaken so all the news is going to focus on what toronto right so, yeah, and it's it's unlikely that a movie like this will get a uh, four-year consideration type of uh, reboot at the end of the year where people start to try to bring it back up in a, in a meaningful way, not necessarily just like an end-of-the-year type, you know, best movies of the year, but more of a the studio is going to get behind this and really promote this movie and get it out there that Oscar voters either need to see it or need to watch it again before they cast a ballot because... You know, that's the that's the kind of movie you want to see those types of movies. And I think we kind of talked a little bit about this uh, a few months ago when we talked about No Sudden Move. And, you know, that's a, a classic Steven Soderbergh movie that you probably want to position in the theaters at Oscar time. Comes out on HBO Max, kind of goes out without a without a whimper, really, because it just it was a, a streaming selection only and no theatrical release. And. 20 years ago, I think we talked about it then, that that movie is a type of movie that probably would have been positioned in the Oscar race, maybe October, November, and it just unfortunately didn't. So maybe a little bit of a similarity here with this. Um, ultimately, what's your uh, final grade here on the card counter? I gave it a B plus. And don't ask me why I didn't just give it an A minus. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it was my mood, but it's like... <laughs> Well, you like to you like to grade with that hard curve, though, George. We know that, so that's that's not a problem. A B plus from you is really good. So people need to go see the card counter if they have an opportunity to see it this weekend. Well, switching gears, though, um, you know this is something I not to not to Facebook stalk you, but you you posted on Facebook that you were watching this uh, comedy dramedy here called Queen Pins, and you were enjoying it. And you decided to uh, review it here in the Akron Beacon Journal. As you all know, you can read all of George's reviews at beaconjournal.com. You can find him on Twitter at, at by George Thomas. And I was intrigued by this. Now, the reason why is it takes place in sort of the world of extreme couponing. And my mom, although she's not an extreme couponer, she does coupon. And she does do the, the stockpile and stuff like that. So... Like, if I ever need a body wash, I've got, like, 50 body wash to choose from at her house. So, I was intrigued by this. Tell us a little bit about Queen Pins, George. It is about two friends. Um, one played by Kristen Bell. Her name's Connie. The other by Kirby Howe-Baptiste, who you might know from Cruella, who, who plays JoJo. They're into the extreme couponing, the stockpiling. Right. The, 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 the getting your newspaper person to give you 50 billion coupon books so you can clip away. 
Right. And um, <laughs> they're pretty good at it. I mean, they're good enough to the, Connie's good enough that she ticks off her local grocery cashier. <laughs> she shows up with a hundred plus dollars in, in coupons every time she's on a shopping trip. Right. But she's also dealing with another another issue that that's what I like is dealt with on a very subtle basis that suggests that her couponing obsession is to make up for her inability to conceive and carry a child to term. Mm. So, you know, you know, through one of trips to the supermarket, she um, picks up a box of Wheaties, tries it out, and comes to discover that, oh my God, the Wheaties are stale. Oh my. Well, there are a lot of times Wheaties just taste like that. Right. But she fired she fires off this this letter to the company bitching about this fact. And lo and, be, lo and behold, a a coupon for a free box of Wheaties shows up. You know, coupon companies, manufacturers don't give away freebies. Right. If, if, if you know from your mother, they just don't. And I know from someone close to me who used to be into this, free coupons are like the holy grail. Right. A coupon for something free is a holy grail. I had someone close to me who was into the coupon rebate thing. Right. Where they were averaging at one point 40 to $50 a week in rebate would walk into somebody's home, cut off a UPC label, cut off labels here and there. It, it, it was ridiculous. Again, I digress. Right. Those free coupons are the holy grail. Yes. Free coupon as she possibly can. She turns her friend Jojo onto it, gets Jojo in on the racket. And, and pretty soon it's evolved to the point where they're able to sell these freebies for 50% on the dollar. What the, what the item will be worth. get pretty lucrative until they realize they've maxed out their business. They hatch another idea. We can just go to the source and steal the bogo coupons that they, that they print at the factory. <laughs> Factories in Mexico. Okay. So, how are they going to pull this off? You get an inside man, right? They get an inside man who just happens to be an expecting father. And they work with him to where he ships them the discarded free coupon where the UPC codes are still good. And they sell them. <laughs> and money starts to accrue. Eventually, this turns into a, a, a scheme where they're they're acquired they're making buku money, lots of money. They have to figure out how to launder it, <laughs> and they have this inability to be low key about what they're doing, and they come to the attention of a loss prevention guy, played play brilliantly by Paul Walter Hauser. Who's just I, I absolutely love that guy. He for those who don't know, he he's fantastic. Yeah, 
Richard Jewell and Richard Jewell. Yes. Fantastic in that movie. He's got this sense. I can't call him an average Joe, but you know what I mean. That sense character. There's something more to him there, but you you never expect to see it coming. It comes to his attention through a series of convoluted events. He gets a, a youth postal inspector involved. The inspector's played by Vince Vaughn, and it basically becomes a case of. These two thrown together characters in both. It's it's a funny film. It was unexpectedly funny. A wonderful situation where a local agency. And and you know. I'm at the point now. If it's if it's not on a, a digital link where I can watch it at home, I'm not. Right. It depends on the situation. Theater nearly has to be empty with critics only, or it has to be a digital link. They requested a review. I'm like, okay, give me a link. Get get it to me in time. I'll I'll watch it over the weekend. I'm glad I did. They got it to me in time, and it was. It was a nice way to pass, what was it, my Saturday or Sunday night? I don't remember. It was Sunday night because I was watching the Zips. It's well acted. You never expect Kristen Bell to be that funny. She is. but she it, it, And she's funny playing the straight person. You know what I mean? Right. Um, what's her name? Ms. Baptiste? <laughs> uh, JoJo, the woman who plays JoJo. Is absolutely hilarious, and she almost steals everything she's in. But I'm I'm happy to see Vince Vaughn back. Yeah, because he's Mister. I I said this last night. He's Mister. Smarm and Charm. Right. I mean, he's such such at times that you can't help him. No, he shows up here, but um. I think we're losing you a little bit there, George. I think we might have lost George there briefly. Uh, let me see what we can do here and get him back maybe. Uh, maybe some bad internet connection. That's technology for you. Um, we're going to try to get him back going. But, uh, you know, Queen Pen's uh, one of those kind of under the radar, maybe sort of comedies, I guess you could say a little bit of drama, obviously involved too, but uh, sort of an over the top. Are you there? Are you back, George? Oh, I think so. All right, I think we're back. All right, I was trying to fill in some time for you. I removed you and brought you back in, so I had a little rough connection patch there, I think. But um, yeah, you were talking a little bit about Vince Vaughn, I think, before we uh, lost you a little bit there. Can't wait. SP. At any rate, <laughs> Vince Vaughn, Mr. Smarman. And uses it to his advantage because he's that does. Sometimes, and um, I forget the name of the age, he takes that charm and 
turns it into malevolence that on, on, on an epic scale. And he did that in True Detective. Um, right. I enjoy seeing him. I've always enjoyed seeing him. And even in the, even in a rare, uh, very dramatic role in like Hacksaw Ridge, it was kind of strange to see him, but also sort of refreshing to see Vince Vaughn back on screen and doing something. And you know, obviously he was sort of the authority figure in that movie. That at some point, you know, he had he brought in some of his you know normal Vince Vaughn comedy, but was also very dramatic in that movie too. So uh, I always like seeing Vince Vaughn. I mean, it's it seems like it's been a while since I've really like clamored for that comedy with Vince Vaughn. I mean, old school comes to mind, obviously, you know, but that's been whew, almost 20 years now since that movie came out. So it seems like it's been a while since I've really thought, man, I can't wait to see Vince Vaughn in insert whatever movie it's, it is. But um, it's good to see him back, though. And thriving, it seems like, too. Uh, he's been doing a lot of a lot of producing lately. So yeah. He knows where the money is in Hollywood. That's the best way to put it. Yes, he does. And he did have that dramatic term, uh, turn in a cell block. I think it was cell block 99 or whatever it was, or fight on cell block nine or whatever it was called. I, I'm sorry for butchering the, the title of it, but it was more of a dramatic turn that a lot of people really liked from him too. So uh, overall, what was your final grade on uh, queen pins? I give me. Okay. A B from uh, George on queen pins, a nice little, under the radar, not expecting. I always like when you have one of those movies where you don't go in expecting a whole lot, and then you come out liking what you saw. So that's a good thing. Indeed it is. Well, I don't know if you liked what you saw uh, today, Thursday, as we record, but today was the release of the Matrix 4 Resurrection is the uh, the title of it. The Matrix Resurrection trailer dropped. They had a little teaser yesterday. The full two minutes and about 53 second trailer did drop today. Um, I don't know. Are you a big Matrix fan, George? Did you enjoy the uh, the first tri uh, trilogy of the Matrix? Um, I own I own the box set, so okay. I I I play completely honest with you. Um, the first Matrix I saw at 10 o'clock at night at a critic screening on a Monday night after returning from Los Angeles on the red to Cleveland at around 7 a.m., 8 a.m. day, went straight to the office at the News Herald in Lake County. And I had to go see this movie at 10 <laughs> through then. And I paid to see it second time. And yeah, I became a fan, but it's like the 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 Wachowski Sibs ran into a situation where I don't want to say they were being by half, but the the all the density of it got in the way of of just a good story. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, in, in some instances, I don't want to have to think it, if I'm if I'm I've got the premise down, and and they're throwing all these obscure references, winking at certain members of the audience. So, first one I love. The second, the two and three less so. 
three more than the others, so you know. Okay. Um, I guess it it just depends, and and even with this trailer, it looks like that density could be back. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I really couldn't tell. Well, the title says it, Resurrection. So where the right. heck has Neil been? I mean, why did he go back out into the whatever this is the real world or the world where stakes are real, blah, blah, blah. Right. So, um, yeah, it's hard to, to judge what's going on. Uh, obviously, you know, that's what trailer, especially trailers like this with a movie like this, that's probably needs a little bit more than two minutes and 53 seconds to explain the premise. Um, but yeah, you know, we start off, it looks like uh, Neo is back as Thomas Anderson, maybe, uh, talking about uh, maybe not really understanding. It, it almost kind of felt like Inception, like he didn't know what was reality versus what maybe was the Matrix. He always had these blue pills with him, like he was trying to to maybe go back into reality, even though he maybe seemingly is in reality. So um, it's kind of hard to judge maybe what's going on. Obviously, we get the classic action that we expect. Um, in this case, it's only directed by one half of the Wachowski siblings, uh, Lana, um, although one of the biggest debates was where, where is Lawrence Fishburne? That's been the debate now since this whole production got started. You know what? Fishburne's out. He didn't, he never got a call. He said, although it looks like maybe Morpheus is in the movie, if you know what I mean. Yeah, that's, and that's the first thing I thought, well, damn, he looks like a, a younger Lawrence Fishburne now. Yes. He? So are we bending time here too? Well, there's another I don't know. I mean, and I don't know how far you've gone down the Matrix rabbit hole, but, and I didn't play the video game, but in 2000, I think it was 2005, there was a video game in which Lawrence Fishburne's Morpheus was killed in the video game. So we don't, I don't know if that's like a, a you know, if that's canon now or if that was just a, you know, a video game or whatever, you know, and just being its own little thing. But in the video game, Morpheus is killed. And I'm thinking, there's a scene where it looks like um, what we believe could be the young Morpheus, Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, is sort of like, I don't know if he's like morphing into something, like he's almost generating into his body um, in like a digital way, almost like in the Matrix way, with, except it's not the green little coating, it's like, you know, just normal coating or whatever. So maybe he's resurrecting Morpheus, possibly. I, I It's hard to really say. And then we also get, uh, you know, uh, Trinity shows up, Carrie Ann Moss coming back as Trinity, shaking the hand of Neo and not really knowing who he is, asking, do I know you kind of thing. So I think we get a lot of, you know, back and forth about people don't know who people are. It's probably a bait and switch, like most trailers can be. Yep. You know, Marvel likes to, to cut a lot of trailers together that have scenes that don't even make the final cut of movies. It's possible that there's just some you know, deeper thing going on and, you know, Neo and, and Trinity will, you know, resume their love affair, hopefully. Um, but what did you think overall of the of the trailer? Are you excited about seeing this? I mean, this is one of those movies where I'm, I'm definitely a theater bound, you know, guest, even though I have HBO Max, I will be going to the theaters to see this one. Well, you definitely want to be in the, the theater to see it simply because that's, it's for lack of a better term, it's cinematic. It's it's right. not meant to be watched on your TV TV screen. Whether or not I'm excited, I don't know. <laughs> were you 
when when they okay the first thing when I, when they announced that this movie was coming out, I at first I thought okay this is a cash grab, not necessarily from Keanu Reeves's perspective because he doesn't need to make a cash grab, but it was probably part of the studio, part of everybody else involved thinking hey, let's reboot the Matrix because everybody else is getting a reboot or a sequel or you know a sequel twenty years later or something like that like a Blade Runner did. But then the second thought I had was, I don't care if it's a cash grab. I just, you know, I, I was always a fan of The Matrix. I liked the second and the third one, even though they were less lesser so than the first. So I'm kind of intrigued to see if they have a story. I've always said this. If you have a good story, I don't care if it's The Matrix 12 or The Matrix 15. That I can get behind a sequel. Like I got behind Blade Runner 2049 because it was an interesting story and it was well-crafted and well-told. And if that's the same case here, then I'm all for it. I know I've bashed on sequels and reboots and, you know, rehashings and things like that. But, you know, if the, if the story's there, I'm, I'm down for it. And let's see if that's the case here. Now, I, I have no problem with, with, with that perspective at all. It's just, uh, best way to put it is this. I did the, the junkets for which the one where they popped the Nokia telephone? Was that um, the second one? Revolution? I think it was the second one. Okay. I did the junket. Okay. That set visit, which was... Right. And the movie let me down, kind of. So... <laughs> um, right. I like the Wachowskis, bro. Siblings. Siblings, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did the junket for Bound. Right. When, when when Joey Pants, um, you know what I'm talking about with Joey. Joey Pantelino, yeah. 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 He, he's he, he's literally sitting at the junket table, the round table, and interviews for the for Bound, telling us he's working with them again, and the concept will blow your mind. Right. And he refused to talk about what the concept was, <laughs> and it's like, okay, well, lo and behold, a couple years later. The Matrix. Right. So, you know, I guess that first movie just was so unique, so mind-blowing. Right. And it's like, okay, I'm intrigued by what you may want to do now, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Right. I'm not expecting some... I'm not expecting this, and I, and I just referenced it a couple of minutes ago. I'm not expecting this to be as good as what Blade Runner 2049 was for that franchise. I'm just hoping that they're going to update and take advantage of technology that maybe even didn't exist in 1999 and in the subsequent sequel years. You know, much the way that, like, James Cameron said, well, I couldn't have made Avatar 20 years ago but I could make it at the end of the 2000s because it was it was available to make and make without having to, you know, mortgage the earth, you know, the earth's debt basically to make it. So this is a similar situation where I'm expecting beautiful visuals. Storytelling will will probably be whatever it is. Let's see if they decide to focus more on that and, and have the visuals enhance that as opposed to just getting lost in the shuffle as the visuals eventually start to take over. But I'm excited. I mean, you know, at the end of the day, it, it it takes us back to some iconic characters and 
whether whether the last two movies were great or not, they were at least satisfying in a way of moving the story along, telling the middle, and then telling the end with Matrix Revolutions. And I think here we could maybe get, you know, I don't know if it'll spawn a new franchise. I'm sure that's the goal. <laughs> I'm sure that's the goal. You don't know. Well, Come on. <laughs> all right, well, here's the thing. Warner Brothers probably, I mean, look, I think Warner Brothers is going to care if this movie doesn't do a little bit well at the box office. Now, yeah, they're going to do the same day release on HBO Max, so that'll probably take from some of the box office. But assuming they're going to keep it rated R like they have the other Matrix movies, maybe they won't, I don't know. But... I don't know that this is going to be, this might be more along the lines of what the Suicide Squad did, which it was a good movie, but no one went to see it. And you probably aren't going to hear too much about, yeah, let's make more Suicide Squad sequels, even though James Gunn's movie was really good. I think that could happen to here where the the means doesn't justify the end game, which is maybe a big bloated budget for an R-rated movie that probably... I would almost think they're hoping that the HBO Max returns better than the theatrical return because more people can stream it on HBO Max because maybe their moms don't care if they're some 13-year-old kid sitting in their room that has HBO Max and they don't want to put parental controls on, so they might stream it, and that counts for their stream versus people may not go to theater because it's rated R and you know kids can't see it or parents don't want their kids to see it or whatever it may be. Let's see, I, I, I think you're missing one factor there. The John Wick factor. Well, right, right. I, I think, I think. But, that... but are you assuming though that the John Wick fans, even though I know the 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 parallel of Keanu Reeves is everybody loves Keanu Reeves, but do John Wick fans care about the world of the Matrix? I have a question for you. Who did who did Keanu Reeves look like in that damn trailer? He looked like John Wick. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I, but, but you know what though i mean my big thing is though it's it's the idea of you're 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 flipping through a different genre here whereas people oh, can I, like john wick because it's just a mindless gun fest where everybody tries to figure out the coolest way to kill someone on screen whereas the matrix is a science fiction fantasy movie where you've got sort of this yeah, you can have nonstop action like they had in the other three, but you also have this really mind-bending storytelling that doesn't lend itself to a lot of those fans that just like to go and sit back and watch mindless people getting blown up and, you know, killed in different unique ways. Fair enough. Just an FYI, it just broke across my Twitter feed. Okay. Abdul Mateen is confirming that he's playing Morpheus. Okay. I don't know if you well, read JoeBone.com, yeah, I mean, but it's there. Yeah. The thing that stood out to me with that is he wore the same glasses in the trailer that Lawrence Fishburne did. And, of course, he kind of, not, not to discredit him because he's a fine actor, but he was kind of doing a Lawrence Fishburne Morpheus-like impression almost, where talking very slow and very, you know, commanding and with his presence and everything like that. So... You know, it seemed too good to be true that he wasn't Morpheus. And that would make sense, I guess, as to why Lawrence Fishburne has gone on record as to saying that he was never even approached to do this movie. And now he may be, you know, he may be the bait and switch here and, and maybe doing a little cameo at the end or some who knows what will happen. 
Yeah. Uh, but I, I kind of believe it though. Like I don't. I mean, I'm not saying Lawrence Fishburne doesn't have any reason to do what he did, but he kind of came out. He kind of came off as a little salty that he didn't get called about it. Like, well, they call Carrie Ann Moss, and of course, you know, Keanu Reeves, but they don't call me, kind of thing. You know. That's that could just be a Hollywood game. It oh, I'm sure it could be. It wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the no. last time. So. But, if that's the case, though, like, okay, let's say the, you know, and, and maybe it's it's the narrative that, that lends itself to having a younger Morpheus or whatever, and, and maybe that's the resurrection part, I guess, but um, it's almost like if you can get Lawrence Fishburne and he seems willing to do whatever you want him to do to be, be back involved in this universe, why would you only want a cameo Lawrence Fishburne when everybody loves Lawrence Fishburne? He's great. That's got to be integral to the story. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like you said, we don't know what the resurrection is. Right. Typically, it's, it, it could be Neo because the implication was he died. I right. Mean, it's, right. It, but, but seeing a young Morpheus suggests, you know, that uh, something happened to him along the way and boom. Right. So I, you, you don't know. And I I I think there's they want the audience to ask questions. Well, right. guess what we're doing right now? Right. You know, it's it's funny because I kind of look at it like I wonder if after the events of the of the third film where essentially it almost seems as though either the matrix has either been reset or like completely destroyed. So I wonder if this is a, the resurrection is of all of it, all the entire program, the system is being reset. So to a speak, reboot? a reboot. Hey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's like, that's like drawing the napkin on, on a napkin, you know, like existential art or something, or it's like a reboot inside of a reboot. And it's like a, it's, it's kind of like inception. Maybe, uh, Maybe Christopher Nolan has an EP on this or something. I don't know, but um, that's kind of how I look at it. Like it's, you know, you have the two mainstays like Neo and Trinity and then everything else around them kind of gets, you know, revamped and they survive the matrix, so to speak. And then the matrix is destroyed because Neo, you know, basically blows it up by allowing Smith to copy him and just tears it all to shreds. And then now he comes back with, you know, the young Morpheus gets, you know, revamped. And then you've got the Matrix being created again or something. So maybe that's where they're going with it. Who knows? But at the end of the day, it got people's you'll attention. Be you'll yeah. be in the theater. At the end of the day, you'll be in the theater. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is <laughs> this is one that I'll be in the IMAX theater for, um, you know. Hopefully they filmed a lot of this in IMAX and it's not just like a post-production conversion because... I'd love to see the Matrix world in an IMAX setting. That'd be pretty pretty epic, I would think. But uh, it's that Christmas time. Yeah, yeah. Merry Merry Christmas to me. I, that's what my Christmas gift will be. I think is uh, a screening at the Matrix with my make my wife have to go see the Matrix. <laughs> I already made her watch the trailer today, and she was like, "Okay, I guess we have to watch the other ones." I'm like, "We already have," so she doesn't even remember watching them with me years ago. So. We'll have to check them out on HBO Max or something, I guess, to to get her up to snuff again. Now I'll eventually break out my 4K DV Blu-ray. Yeah. Yeah. All right, George. Well, what do you got coming up next week? Any uh, any new movies coming out next week? I know Cry mm -hmm. Macho, the new uh, 
Clint Eastwood movies uh, slated for a release, but uh, there's no screening of that listed yet. Oh, beyond, I have no clue. Oh, the eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh, okay. Can't wait to see that one. Andrew Garfield in there, along with Jessica Chastain. Some Oscar buzz for the movie and for them as actor and actress. So that should be interesting. All right, George. Well, we definitely appreciate you stopping by again. Like I said, everybody, you can read all of George's reviews at beaconjournal.com. And you can find George on Twitter at, at ByGeorgeThomas. Uh, so he's a great follow. And if you want to see anything about Akron Zips and Cleveland Browns, he's also a great source there, too. So until next week, George. All right. Happy spring. Hopefully you get some good stuff here this week, and uh, we'll see you next week. Later. All right. See ya. Hi, I'm Jennifer Mooney. Welcome to what is our new Hope Interrupted podcast based on the work from our book, Hope Interrupted, that I co-authored with my good friend, Byron McCauley. Hey, Jennifer, you know, I'm looking forward to this podcast as much as I was look, looking forward to writing this book with you. We hope to interview some uh, high impact folks as well as have a little fun. We're going to cover stories of hope. To learn more about our podcast and our book, please visit www.hopeinterrupted.com.